want to encourage you to take your copy of the scripture, Ephesians chapter 5. In Luke chapter 10, now hold that dial, friends. In Luke chapter 10, there is an account of Jesus with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary, and as some of you know that account well. Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are living out their lives very differently. Now, it's great to have a Martha around because Martha is, has Jesus as the guest of her home, and she is crazy busy with herself, falling over herself, taking care of things, cleaning and cooking and arranging them, making sure everything is just right. And her sister Mary ain't doing nothing is sitting there talking to Jesus, listening to his teaching. And Mary is not, or I'm sorry, Martha is not happy about it. And you can almost picture this. Martha storming into the room and saying, Jesus, how can you put up with this? Can't you see that she's doing nothing around here? And I'm all over the place. And do you know what Jesus said to Martha? Martha, Martha, you are so distracted. You are so distracted. There's a few more words for, and you can look it up, the account later if you'd like. But so are many of us. And maybe some of us can't even say that because to be distracted means that you know that you have a very clear purpose. The word purpose is going to be very important in our conversation here this morning. Purpose. If I ask you this question, and I, I fear that we will all stumble in this. If I ask you, what is the purpose of your life? Do you instantly have an answer? Unfortunately, most of us, including this guy up here, has lived much of his life with the answer to the question well, of the things that I do. Well, I do this, and I do that, and I do the other, and I'm busy doing this, and I got a lot of time invested in that, which is not an answer to the question. The this and the that and all of the things you're busy with ought to be in response to the purpose in which you have. And the fact that right now you're at the edge of your seat hoping that I will tell you what that is says a great deal, doesn't it? That's why we need to buckle up and listen carefully here this morning. What is your purpose? The Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was a catechism is a strategy in teaching and learning. And the strategy of a catechism is asking questions and giving back an answer. Yes, Bill, I know you know the answer to this one. <laughs> Question number one, what is the chief end of man? To say it. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
Now, some of you may have thought, wait a minute. Isn't there in the Bible somewhere this, this great commandment that seems to cover everything? Say it with me. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This is one of the ways that we glorify God and are able to enjoy him forever. And the problem is, my friends, if we don't know our purpose, we can't live our purpose. And if we're not living our purpose, then we are frustrated and we have anxieties and we jump from place to place, one failure after another or one success of emptiness after another. So back to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is going to lay out for us four reasons why we ought to live carefully pursuing our purpose in life. Four reasons. Four reasons why we ought to pay close attention to how we are living. And perhaps today we will be making some adjustments. So take a look with me, if you will. We're in chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. We're going to start in verse 15, because we covered verse 14 back in November, I think it was. But please, feel free to go home and read it over and over again. Yes. And here is the instruction. Verse 15. Now, this is an imperative. This is instruction. Okay? Paul is saying, look carefully. Now, that word carefully could be translated exactness with exactness. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now, this word walk, it means how you're living. Look at the way you're living carefully with exactness. Why do you do what you do? Boy, whoever came up with the word why, they were a winner, I'll tell you. If we would ask ourselves why more often, we would narrow it down to what we ought to be doing, our priorities. Now this word exactness, which means in detail, in the smallest way. And when I read this earlier this week, I was reminded of the movie The Patriot. Have you seen that movie, Mel Gibson, you know? Historical movie, I'm a big fan of those, you know? But uh, there is a scene in this movie in which uh, the British soldiers have taken his son captive. And he takes his two younger boys, I mean, and they are literally just boys, with their muskets up into the woods. Now, he knows these woods, and he, he meets up on the, this path where he knows they will be going. And as he prepares his little boys for battle, he gives them some quick instruction about reloading and, you know, don't shoot until... And then he says, what did have I taught you about shooting? And they both respond in unison. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. The tighter your target, even if you should be off, you will at least be targeting in the right direction, my friends. Walk 
in exactness. Don't just wing it this year. You know, you've, you know, throughout your life, you've come in various points where, you know what, i got to put together a budget. We need to look at our money with closer exactness, right? We need, well, friends, if you need to do it with your money, how about your time? You know, when, you, when you're young, time seems to be an enemy. You know, oh, my goodness, I have to wait forever. Oh, will it ever get here? Christmas is like three hours away and we'll never make it. The older you get, you realize how precious time is, how valued time is. The wise person will understand this. Time is greater than any other resource you have available to you. Does not matter how much is in your bank if you waste it on your clock. Time, time, time. And so Paul says that we should live with exactness, thinking carefully. Why am I here? How has God made me? You may be able to remember when you were young. <laughs> Some of us still have the ability to do that. Somewhere around that 17, 18, 19, you're trying to figure out who you are. I mean, what am I good at? What makes me different than everyone else? Yeah, I can make a pretty good jump shot. Well, that, that, made, that was a big deal in my life. <laughs> What is it that makes me me? How have I been so shaped that I should focus my resources here, get education here? What is it that makes me different? Have you answered that question yet, by the way, in your life? Or have you simply adopted some other pattern and you're just still putting up with it? Living with exactness, my friends. Living with exactness. Paul says to look carefully in detail how you are living. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. My friends, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And the thing is, in this room, there is a great, 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 great amount of knowledge Things that we know from various aspects of our life. Things that we would, uh, we would not prioritize, yet we know them. You know, stuff about a video game. You know, things about the street you grew up on and, and who lived in what house. And, and we say, what difference does it make? But there are other things that we know. And it's, not a, and it's never about what you know. It's always about what you do. With what you know. Men, what do you know about your wives? Where are they in their journey to become a woman of God? How can you invest in their lives today, every day, to help them to grow? Wives, I could ask you the same question. Where do they need the encouragement and the help? 
How can you step in? Here's a quiz. Guys, what's your wife's blind spot? I mean, she just, she can't see it. You know, it's not a fault. It's, it's just a, because there's so much focus here, she doesn't see it there. And how do you help her with that? I mean, every car has a blind spot. Did you know that? You know? And one of the things that we have uh, the ability to overcome such is mirrors. <laughs> and we can set them appropriately. And we can also learn to go like this. <laughs> Before you change lanes. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> my friends, my friends, live with exactness and you will be living wisely. Take a look, evaluate, ask people questions. Where do you think I fit? Scary question. What do you think I would be really good at? Huh? Because sometimes we have blind spots about ourselves, things we don't see about ourselves. How do you think God could use me differently? Well, there's a question. Is there something at Family Bible Church you think I could really make a difference? Hmm. Now we're talking, aren't we? Yeah. Is there a way that I should be stepping up and I just don't see it? Isn't it good to have someone in your life that loves you and cares for you? Ask the question, my friends. Ask the question. So, my friends, live on purpose because it is wise. It is wise. Paul says the wise person lives in exactness, carefully, lives on purpose. To figure out your purpose, figure out your shape, figure out how you are different than everyone else. And that difference, boy, isn't it funny how we grow up trying to be the same and our greatest strengths are our differences. Figure it out. Second reason Paul says that we ought to be living according to our purpose First being because it is wise. The second is because life is short. I am 54 years old. Stunning, I know. <laughs> Thank you, Perry. <laughs> My mother died at the age of uh, 57, 56, 56. My father died like within a month after his 60th birthday. I've had multiple brain surgery. I've had cancer on my back. I'm thinking genetically, I ought to figure that maybe I got about a good six years left. Focus. Oh, yeah, I'm going to live forever, but it ain't going to be here. How then should I live? In light of the short, we got a hand up here. Good. What? Heaven? Yeah, that's that's my that's my retirement plan. I'll tell you that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in light of that, some of the decisions I have made, I have thought 
I will not live long, Melanie will. How should I live so that when I am gone, she will be well? Living on purpose. Living on purpose. It is wise, my friends, and we ought to live on purpose because it is short. Paul says here in verse 16, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. When items are in short supply, my friends, they have a greater value. So a hundred bucks to a millionaire is like those annoying coins in your car, you know? Doesn't mean a whole lot. But to someone who's trying to feed their kids and pay that electric bill that just came in, a hundred bucks might as well be a million. When we are short, when things are in short supply, and I tell you this, use it well. Think carefully, live in exactness. And what Paul tells us here is to make the best use of time. The best use of time. And so Paul says, choose the best things to do with your time. And hear me when I say this. Good things are the enemy of best things. Sure, you can easily look back on your week and try and come up with reasons why it was okay for you to sit in front of the television for hours and hours and hours or in front of the computer screen for hours and hours. You can come up with a good reason. But the key word here is best. Purpose. Living on purpose. What is your purpose? Once you've defined it, my friends, you must live it. A physicist, not one that I know personally, but one that I read about, <laughs> defines time, think about this, as the progression of events from the past to the present into the future. My favorite definition of time is... Uh, <laughs> The thing that keeps uh, one thing after another from becoming everything at once. You know, um, time. But best to consider time as opportunities. Tick, 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 tick. Opportunities. Right now you have an opportunity, a quiet time, uninterrupted, to focus on the words of God. Opened up right there on your lap. To consider what it is that God has so foreordained in your life that you need to know these things to prepare you for what lies ahead. What's on your phone right now that you wish you hadn't turned on? Best use of the opportunities, my friend. Choose the best. Choose the best, my friends, making the best use of the time. And time equals opportunities to make the best choice. Life is about your choices. Your life is an accumulation of choices. You are where you are right now. 
because of choices. Responses to everything that you've experienced in your life to bring you to this point right here. Every conversation, every bit of knowledge that you've responded to. Paul says, choose the best. Choose the best. Time equals opportunities, my friends. Take a look. Every day, we are all given the same amount of time. And yet some people seem to just really be riding a wave of life. They really seem to be on top of things while we're struggling for air. And what's the difference? They know their purpose and they use their time well to invest. I'm almost hesitant to say that I'm a woodworker, more like a wood destroyer in many ways. <laughs> You know, and, uh, and one of the tools I have are chisels. Now, I watch these YouTube videos of guys using their chisels and making these perfect dovetails, and, you know, it, it's astounding, you know. But one of the keys to making that happen is sharp, sharp tools. Dull tools always chew up the wood. You know, you're banging on it, it's going sideways, but sharp goes right through. It is always wise in our life, my friends, to sharpen the tool. If you had 22 trees that needed to come down and all you had was a saw, where should you spend your first hour? Sharpening your saw. To face the best day in your life, take time to prepare your heart and your mind you know, you've heard in churches just like this, all you, you know, you got to get in the Word of God. How can we possibly know what is the best thing? But know this, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to change the mind of the child of God in order that they might do the will of God, all for the glory of God. Sharpen the saw, my friends. Sharpen the chisels. If you're going to choose the best. Reason number three, we must continue, of why we need to be living on purpose. Paul says here at the end of verse 16, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. My friends, we should live on purpose because our days are marked by moral corruption. Moral corruption. This is the world in which we live. It is contrary to God. If you want to live out the will of God and the purposes of God for your life, and you've got to cut off some of this counsel that will pull you away, and where do we get this counsel? The conversations of the lost. The topics of conversation that pollute our minds. Television shows. Yeah, but you know, they're only talking about, are they talking about the things that matter in life? The things that are best? Is that where your mind is focused and soaked? 
my friends, sharpen the saw. <coughs> Life equals choices, my friends. How do we make the best choices with the best information? And where do we get the best information? From God and his word. And so small groups is a good thing. When we're talking about the word of God and how, it understa- how we understand it and how to apply it into our lives. Turn it on Christian radio when you're in the car. Sure, there's some great movie. Uh, there's some great music from the '60s. I'm telling you, woompa woompa. You know, <laughs> take every opportunity to live on purpose. To prepare yourself to live on purpose. The fact of the matter is, my friends, you and I come into this world with bad programming. We, we come into this world with something called a sin nature, which means we are inclined to rebel. We are inclined, that is the, that is the we, we come leaning toward rebellion against God. And, and you can see it in, in, uh, in people of every age, little babies. They want what they want now or they're going to do everything in their... In, in their posture, they can't move their fingers very well, but they can scream, and they will scream and scream and scream until they get what they want. They can't tell you what it is. Good luck guessing, you know, but prone to wander, a hymn from my youth as a little boy, considering the words of this song. Oh, come thou font of every blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh God. Take and seal it and seal it for thy courts above. We are programmed to rebel against God. How do we undo this programming in our lives? Change the software, my friends. Here we are back at the Word of God. Reading, studying, considering, talking about the truth of the Word of God. And it changes the way we think. It changes the way we think. Deprogram yourself. But we are programmed to sin, my friends. And if you don't know it by now, know this. The wages of sin is death. We're not just even talking specifically about the eternal separation from God. We're talking about the destruction of relationships, the destruction of your own life, the frustration, the foolish choices that just box you in and beat you up. And they say, oh, that I had a time machine and I could go whack myself in the head. Poor, selfish, foolish choices. Prevent the whack and start changing the thoughts now by getting the word of God in you. So you are programmed to sin. And sin will lead to death. But if we do not, hear me, if you do not carefully choose your path, someone else will. Someone else will. 
You don't know what to do with your time? Someone else will figure out what to do with it. Hey, come with us. It likely won't be to a Bible study. Living on purpose, my friends. Waking up and knowing who you are and what you ought to be doing with your life. Living on purpose. So three reasons thus far Paul has told us why. We need to know our purpose and be living it out. The first reason is because it is wise to do so. Second reason is because life is short and you will waste it. Third reason, because life is marked by moral corruption and you will certainly be pulled away into a wasted life otherwise. And finally, because God has a plan for your life. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that back in the 70s. God has a plan for your life. As many times as I heard that, I never understood it. But look at here in verse 17. Once again, Paul says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is, the will of the Lord is. How can we understand? What is this will? How can we understand it? And Paul says, and don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. What is this word debauchery? It means inherently selfish. It is for your own self. Which is, by the way, the very nature of sin. Selfishness. But don't get drunk with wine. Drunk is in opposition to the word filled. In the scriptures, in the older days, people would talk about someone who is filled with wine. And they're talking about the influence in their life. Someone who is under the influence of Liquor, of, of wine, or of just alcohol, acts and, and thinks a different way, and, and that way is foolish. But instead, instead, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled, be influenced by the Spirit of God. How does the Spirit of God influence us? Circumstances. Using the Word of God that you have hidden in your heart to open your eyes to certain things, to close them to others. The wise person is influenced by the Spirit of God. Influenced by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will impact how we talk. Notice verse 19. You can, you can certainly tell someone who has been drinking because their words are being slurred together. They sound different. So is one who is under the influence of the Spirit of God. Paul says the Spirit will impact how we talk to one another, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the heart, your, to the Lord with, from your heart, with your heart. Your words are different. Notice the focus here. What is this? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Psalms. Wait a minute. Isn't that the Old Testament? 
Like the hymn book of Israel? Yeah, there's that connection with the word of God again. The word of God is central, my friends. But notice also, the spirit of God will impact how we talk to God. In verse 20, Paul says, giving thanks always. Have you given thanks yet today? Well, I know it's not Thanksgiving or anything, but. Friends, let me just give you a personal challenge. Before you hit your, the, the, the pillow with your head at night, ask yourself, have I expressed gratitude to God today? I mean, surely it's not difficult to come up with a reason to give thanks to God. And I'm talking about even in those difficult circumstances. Because you know what? That's where God really shines. In, in the darkness. In those dark places. When it feels like everything is crashing in around you. You know, here, here is the nation of Israel. And God has set them free with this thing, the Passover. You know, and they're marching out of Egypt and then comes the army. And what are we going to do? And so they cross over the Red Sea. It just parts. Wow, they were lucky, huh? <laughs> they happened to be there at just the right time. And there is God saying, here's my power and you're especially going to see it when times are difficult. Trust me. Trust me. Oh, God, thank you for the difficult times. When I see your power. When I see your grace at work in my life. When I'm reminded of your promises to care for me. Maybe not exactly how I thought you ought to do it, God, but I know that you're at work in my life. And so be filled with the Spirit of God. That is how we live on purpose. So let's wrap it up. Let's put it in a sentence here, my friends. Be diligent to live out God's will in your life. That is a roadmap for living on purpose. The question is, what would God have me to do? <laughs> One thing I ought to be giving my life to is learning to love God and what it means to love. You and I both know that love is certainly more than emotion. Emotions, they come and go. But love is a sacrificial investment in someone's life. What have you sacrificed for God this week? Given up of those valuable resources of time, of energies. This morning we took an offering. It was another way we honor God and we love him. Well, friends, when the Spirit of God impacts our life, verse 21 says it looks a lot like submission. When his will becomes my will. And my will, not important. So you don't need resolutions this year if you have a clear purpose. You know exactly where to go. Didn't waste your time coming, I don't know, what should I do? What kind of habits do I need in my life? Hey, let's start with the reason you have those habits to begin with. 
the purpose of your life, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How then should you be living? So the most basic question everyone faces in life is, why am I here? What is my purpose? To love God. And know this, my friends, you'd be growing faster in your faith if you set some goals and you met them. Set some goals. How would I be growing in God? How, how can I grow my faith? What kind of activities can I, can I invest in, in my life to uh, incorporate in my life that in six months I'm growing? You want to grow muscles? Hit the weights. Yeah, it's nice, you know, you can, you know, go like this, and, but I'm moving, you know. Well, that's great. Burning calories, that ain't building muscle, though. You want to build muscle? Start lifting things. And it, they don't even have to be heavy. Did you know that? Go home and find yourself a three-pound weight. A th- find a can of beans, bigger one, though, and do about 100 of these. Yeah, you wait. It's not the first 20 that's hard, my friends. And that's what builds muscle, the movement of your muscles. And then maybe you start adding a little more. What kind of habits? Bible reading? (laughs) You knew that was coming. How about a time in prayer? You got one of these fancy watches that has an alarm on it? I'll bet you have a phone that does. Set an alarm and pray. Oh, you're like, well, what should I pray? Boom, there you go. Maybe spend the first day figuring, what are the things that I ought to be talking to God about? Take a look at the Lord's Prayer. Well, there's some good priorities. Hmm. Service is a good habit. How much of my week should I be just investing voluntarily in helping people around me? Or how about just when the opportunity shows up? Yeah, you're busy, but that lady can't reach the top shelf. There you go. Service to others. How about service here on a Sunday morning? Anybody here not... Scared to death of children? (laughs) Any of you willing to work in a nursery? (laughs) Yeah. My wife could use a break. I miss seeing her face in here. Those opportunities are everywhere, my friends. Not every week. Once a month, once a quarter. You tell me what you're willing to do for Jesus. We'll start there. Just a can of beans. Yeah. Worship. Time to worship God. Fellowship with other saints. Telling someone about Jesus. Our tree is gone, but the commission is not. Go and tell. Go and tell. And note this, my friends. You would get right on this today if you realized what was at stake in your life 
and the lives of the people that you are yet to meet in this coming year. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We, we, we wholeheartedly believe in what we just talked about. How we need to tighten it up and focus in and be exact in our living. But God, the challenge is getting to the car and still believing that. But the distractions of life. We love a Martha to get things going, God, but, oh, keep us from distraction, God. Supernaturally, I pray, God, convict us, convince us, God, in our heads, in our hearts, that we must live for you. We need to set aside the small stuff and start living the way that you've called us to live.